met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee, and for tonight we welcome back one of our extraordinary returning guests who literally blew my mind from start to end of our last episode. And I'm talking here, my utter fascination. He is a remarkable individual, that for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome author and the host and creator of YouTube channel, DJ Elliot and the wholesome creator of Hermes Risen podcast. Debbie, now then, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> what a great introduction. Thank you so much, General oh, Lee. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, the, I got almost immediate feedback from that last episode. It was incredible, Debbie. I can't thank you enough. And this is, this is what it's all about, you know, uh, meeting somebody who's got, the knowledge of what you have, and um, I, I probably an easiest way of explaining this is some people can read well when they're on a call, they can have the information in front of them, and they can read off, and it sounds mint. Right? But again, this is just my opinion. There's, I think that there's a difference between that format and an individual who's got true knowledge of. Um, certain topics generally you find it out well on what episode you uh, what discussion the topic what is being discussed if that makes any sense probably doesn't but <laughs> uh, you're saying whether people can walk the walk and talk the talk yeah you know, what i'm saying is you can clearly tell somebody who's got that true knowledge and you you have got that true knowledge of what I'm speaking about. I mean, that was evident from that last show we did. It was extraordinary. Well, I had to it's work just... hard to get it. I've worked hard on this kind of work for a long time. Oh, you can tell. You can tell. Um... I've gone down some weird paths doing it as well. But... <laughs> oh, I could imagine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the thing with gaining knowledge, you have to turn it into wisdom. That's the important yeah. thing. Yeah, oh, I love that. It must be challenging, though, for, for you. Because um, I, know, I know you mentioned with um, Steiner's works, didn't you, you, you approached it and you had to re-approach it uh, further down the line to actually come to um, get to grips of it, of it so to speak. That's that, true, yeah. yeah. With Rudolf Steiner, I've been reading him since I was like 16, 17, but I didn't get wow. it. And normally yeah. you'd think, right, just give it up. 
but I kept persevering kept thinking what is this guy on about and then I left it for about 10 years and it was in I think it was 2016 um, yeah. I, I happened to pick up one of his books again and it just came to me I suddenly saw everything he was saying but I wonder if it's also because over them years I've studied many other esoteric paths and occult paths yeah. that finally maybe the way he said it was just a bit too um he does go a long way round things <laughs> well so you're probably you're probably right on that uh, I mean it's, it's like some authors the way they write it can be challenging in itself just just to try you know be on that same wavelength I mean mm. I don't have you ever tried for a, a, a good example HP Lovecraft now, now that's really weird yeah I've just been reading some of his again recently <laughs> really yeah. <laughs> um, well, well I'm doing a series with uh, with Robin Marks about HP Lovecraft I'm um, not sure whether we're going to fit it in, like, because we've got so much that, that we're looking into. You know, I've got a couple of different series with Robbie, brilliant. With H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, it is that much of a fast mind. Uh, for me, trying to read, I'm talking the very first page, just the way, the way he writes, the way he's wording things, it's it's challenging. Um, maybe I, I should try again. You know, when, like, like how you did when you left it for so much, so many years, and you went back to it. Maybe I should try that. Well, also, I think he thinks like an artist when he's writing, isn't he? So he's explaining everything in a kind of. It's difficult to uh, to explain how it's it's, yeah. writes like that because it's also the eighteen hundreds. They do write in a slightly different way, but also being a an occultist himself he's probably trying to develop his own way of putting his ideas and uh, his stories across yeah yes i think so nice. with, it's it, long-winded <laughs> yeah yeah it is definitely i think with uh, what's surprising is it doesn't claim to have any um, occult connections it doesn't claim that he's a magician or anything along those lines mm. it's all come from his uh, thoughts is is uh his dreams which there are some dreams he's having some of the uh stories i mean there's still it's still an inspiration today yes absolutely and they're good today yeah one of my favorite films is uh color out of space made it a few years ago i think it was 2020 maybe could be wrong on that date with Nick Cage's in it and Tommy Chong. And I'll tell you what, Debbie, if you've not seen it, oh, I highly recommend it. In fact, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will send you some links later on it where you'll be able to watch it. Okay, because I know I know um, Amanda, who was part of the writing team of that, and because uh, it, it's quite a difficult film to get hold of. It is. Do you know, you're not wrong on that one. It was on, it used to be on Shudder for free, which is a bit like a, a bit like a Netflix book, specifically for horror and sci-fi horror. Mm. It's brilliant, especially if you like B movies, etc. Um, but I will, I'll send it you uh, the, the link, so you can just have, you can just stream it then. No, I've on your shows. I don't think you have, have you, Amanda? I've had, 
I'll have What's to put you in touch with each other because I think you'll find her a fascinating person to talk to. Oh, nice one, Debbie. What's, what's her name, Amanda? I'm trying to remember her last name now. Sorry, I'm being really rude to you, Amanda. Oh, you know. <laughs> you can't think of your last name because I kind of just sort of know her through Facebook and things. But also, she's obviously, I said, a writer to that film and she's very into the Gnosticism way of living. And I, I like Gnostics and the Gnostic way of uh, thinking of what this world's all about. Yeah. But she and her, the writer who did that film, obviously were trying to capture the H.P. Lovecraft mythology and the way he writes things. Because yeah. nobody else writes like Lovecraft. They don't, no. No. Uh, and, and, uh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, David. Okay, sorry. You were saying he gets it through his dreams, but I wonder if maybe he was a magician in a life before that one. To be able hey. to get some kind of surreal dreams that seem yeah. so lifelike, I wonder if, if he wasn't already putting himself into a trance, you know, because maybe he was being quiet about that. He'd be quite um, poo-pooed, as we say, in, in this trade of uh, if he admitted, oh, I, I use magic to get my ideas, he would be yeah. ridiculed. Or he was a magician in a past life. Most likely. I, I, I like that idea as well it's um, a possibility There's, i guess it could be quite a lot of possibilities but but that's um and that's pretty stable and but, i find it interesting that the creatures he involved in his writings for example the cthulhu or whatever oh, other people yeah. have encountered since so did he make them up and then that thought form's gone out there and people loved his work so much that they be able, were able to create Cthulhu because they kept reading it and reading it and thought about it. Yeah. Did the Cthulhu really exist? They came to him and then he wrote about them. Yeah. I love it. It's just the thought. Um, I mean, imagine climbing into his mind just for, just for a moment. Some of the stuff he was writing about was uh, <laughs> extraordinary. But to just like just maybe spend a minute in his head, see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Would you go mad? <laughs> Ooh, well, I'm already mad, so I don't know. <laughs> you get madder. <laughs> it might make you sane. It might make you see what the world's really about. Hey, you might, saying that there's other dimensions and other realms and other beings out there, and that us humans can either become a black magician or a white magician and black magicians are trying to conjure them up for their own business or whatever and then they're just letting them the beans or the entities that they're calling up just run loose around the world yeah. <laughs> or would there be a white magician that tried to work with them and i don't know help them in some way yeah i love it <laughs> it is a um... And those Victorian times were quite dark times anyway, weren't they? Both mentally, physically, and just in the way they lived. Um, I would say yeah. so, yeah. It was, it was harsh it back then. It played in the mind and the subconscious, didn't it? Yes, yes, I think it was. Different parts, different times of uh, history from what we're led to believe. Mm. There's been a lot of dark times. There's been a lot of bad, generally bad. There's, there's some rotten individuals and, you know, mm. it's not yeah, how it's meant to be. It's not how it's meant to be, which makes no. me wonder if this world's broken. 
and that these dark entities have managed to come in to try and control us maybe yeah. we're the lower end of the hierarchy of all beings i don't know but it feels wrong doesn't it it feels out of it control does. and it feels we're not living i think it is out of control deborah i think it mm. is out of control because that's oh, like we said it's okay love it's like we, we before we started recording conversation we was having um It, it is what it is, you know. It is Soul what it is, but we should be able to do something, shouldn't we? So we have to work on ourselves to make sure we're not caught up in it. We're not caught up with the people that are either evil or soulless or yeah. just demonically possessed. I think I, be, I also I also believe that we are we could all be um, victims of some sort of um, mm. manipulation. Whether it be, you know, satanic ritual abuse, anything really. Because manipulation, you know, it's not just one one thing. It can be so many different things will fall into manipulation. But also a lot of these people that get involved with satanic abuse, there's obviously different kinds. I think some people get involved not realising or not believing in it and just doing it for, you know, to go along with everybody else. Then yeah. there's some that do believe that they can use it for their own means. Yeah, their own benefit, where they're yeah. going to benefit. But they don't understand that's just for this life. You know, and our lives go on after we die. You know, if you, yeah. you make a pact with the devil, your soul goes to, to hell, to him, or wherever you want to believe the devil is. Yeah. And he's got you. There's no chance of redeeming yourself. I think. Yeah, I'm not, I, I would like to think I'm yeah, wrong. I'd like to think everything's re redeemable. Everything can find redemption. But if yeah, you, yeah. you know, get caught up with all that, you know, you've signed that pact. Yeah. You know, that's it. Whereas if you're trying not to be part of that kind of thing, we're working on the light side. Yeah. We're part of the eternal, everlasting life. Whether you're going to go to a god or to go into the next stage of whatever human evolution is, or to a higher realm. But you're not selling your soul that way. You're developing your soul if you're working on with the, I'm, I'm just calling it the light workers, because I can't think of what yeah. the is to a satanic ritual. You know, you're doing good things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you're doing that, then they want to help you progress and be part of the whole universal evolution. But you sell your soul to yeah. the devil, your, your soul's damned. Yeah, you're knackered, aren't you, on that day? But, it isn't a bit you, of fun. I know a lot of people see it as a bit of fun, and it isn't because when that devil comes for you, yeah, there's there's not there's no fun when when you know if you're making. I don't. I mean, I don't personally know anybody who's made that sort of deal. Yeah, you, you but you hear of it a, a lot. Um, and that deals just with this one life, and there's more yeah. to us than just one life. We will go on and repeat lives or be reborn you know i'm a strong believer in reincarnation yeah I like if that. you sell your soul to the devil you're not coming back you're going to hell so yeah and as well i think i'm not sure if this is something to take into consideration um they're dogmen yeah. <laughs> dog's just barking i think the postman's just come by we just ignore her <laughs> Yeah. And she really wants me to start howling. 
Well, at least you know where you stand there. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was hoping I you could hear her and I thought she's getting louder and louder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's too, there's too much manipulation, Debbie. It's, mm. it's sickening to think that there are people out there targeting or attempting to target people for whatever reason. You know, it might be for something significant, but then again, it might not be. Well, from a satanic Just, point of view, their point of view of doing all this is to steal souls from the from the dark forces idea. And then the satanic people that are doing horrible things to people on this planet is to break them people so that they break down so to such a point they just give up their soul yeah. you know and they feel there's no hope no redemption they don't stop stop believing in um anything divine or any angels or anything because they think this world is so awful this satanic person's doing these horrible things to me that they is to, to break them to break people down yeah sounds sounds spot on how you just uh, put that across because it should all be about faith and belief and that's what their dark forces and satanic forces are trying to crush people's belief in angels gods whatever you know <laughs> make it they want to make it feel like this is a godless world godless realm because i find it quite weird that people become um satanic or believe in the devil i think they say that more people believe in angels and devils than they do in god i find that quite odd because surely that's a hierarchy you know, if yeah. they believe in gods and angels, they must believe in something that created them. Oh, you know, just how you've put that then, yes, you would think that. <laughs> but obviously some of these people can't think that way. They've got actually, maybe, I don't know, maybe see it written down, black and white. It's yeah. so bizarre how some people are. That rhymes. <laughs> Well, but, concerned with just this life, don't they? Rather than yeah. what comes after it, it's very. I find that peculiar. You know, if they think that once they're dead, they're dead. I wonder yeah. if when we die, it is whatever we believe in is going to happen to us. If you believe that you're going to go to heaven, maybe you'll go to heaven. If you believe you're going to go to hell, you'll go to hell. Maybe it is yeah. something we create. Do we care what happens after our, after our life yeah. here? <laughs> yeah, it's a possibility, I think. It's a possibility for, mm. for anything. Well, that, that, uh, that makes sense, and it just sounds beautiful. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like how things really should be. You know, to create the heaven you want. Yeah, don't hey, be yeah, yeah. Up, I'm going to hell. <laughs> I'm going to burn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> visualize yeah. where you want to go to. <laughs> Whether it's hanging out with your favorite movie stars or, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for me, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, you'd probably want to be with your loved ones, you know, living in a nice place. would would be ideal for me. Yeah, I mean. Family is it's one of those is an undeniable thoughts to not want your family there. But <laughs> just think of how, of how you, you could, if you could imagine, because you just think of how um, how ideal you could to get things, I guess. But I, I would. I would want it to be also with people like yourself 
you know, some of our listeners, some of the guests we've got, like Gary, Gary Wayne, your patient, just not all the, uh, too many, too many to, <laughs> to list that the, uh, it would just be fascinating to have all our minds in the same area. Yeah. Some mythical creatures, perhaps for your unicorn, oh. living, you know, in beautiful countryside, nice little beach down the road. Oh. I love it. It's always sunny. <laughs> oh, I, well, not quite as sunny all the time, but we'll have to divide that equal because I do like it when it's gloomy, it's pissing it down. So, pardon my language, uh, Debbie, sorry. Uh, when it's raining, uh, gloomy, foggy. Lightning, thunder, just everything. I love all the. Uh, I do love a storm. Okay, yeah, we'll have some beat, storms. Can't beat a good storm. We'll have to have a few a day. But yeah, it would be. That that would be like my ideal. I think. You're making it sound like it's going to be a bit northern. <laughs> Not some northern weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was. I like that. Very nice one. <laughs> I, I don't often talk about politics, but I used to vote for Screaming Lord Such because he used to say that what he wanted to do was to rebuild the British ship empire. So we have all the yeah. big ships and steamers being rebuilt by British still. And then he was going to get them to all go down to the south of the UK, so down to the southern yeah. coast. All the ships had to hook onto the land and then he was just going to pull the country down to the Caribbean wow. waters because that's British waters. So that's good enough for me. You get my votes. <laughs> what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? Is it got a thumbs up? It's got a thumbs up. <laughs> Let's go it's to got Caribbean thumbs up for waters. me as well. <laughs> Sounds good, that. If only. Oh, it's just brilliant. <laughs> it <laughs> is, it crazy, is. you know, we've got to laugh at it. It's got to be satire, yeah. really. It, it's sort of you know, uh, theatrical. Well, it can be. <laughs> now it's puppetry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right, Debbie, I think looking at your, you know, some of the material that you've covered in your extensive knowledge, Austin Osmond Spur. And I know absolutely nothing about him. And I am intrigued from what I've started reading about him. He's a wonderful artist and magician. I love his work. Um, like Because you normally put thumbnails to these, don't you? You're going to have such a choice of what to pick for, from Austin Osmond Spare's work. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, um, it's just... It's like when well, we've got people like this for mystery. I think it makes you wonder why you don't hear of him because I had never heard of him until you know, until I found you. It's just goes to show how. Sorry, go on. It, it, it's sorry, love. It's just be quick on this. It just goes to show how uh, how many possibilities there can be, and how many different people, different subjects. It's just endless. But from what I can see from this dude, it's, he's going to be uh, a very interesting individual to speak of. Well, there is a reason why he's probably not spoken about these days. Because All right, okay. 
when he was very young, he got into artwork. So he was born in 1886 and he yeah. was actually born on New Year's Eve. So uh, right. and I think it was near to the time of coming up to going into the new year. So that's quite a magical yeah. time to be born on. You're being born into a new year. Um, but So he was born in 1886 and from a young age, they could see he knew how to draw. Yeah. And his dad was a policeman. I can't remember what his mother was at the time. But, it, you know, they, they had enough income to come in to keep them all sort of just about surviving. Because this is the Victorian times when, you know, poverty was just around the corner. Sure. And, uh, yeah. So as he was going into the 1900s, he, they realised he had a, a bit of a talent. And he put in... Uh, some artwork to the Royal Academy in London, one of the most well-known art institutes of that time. Oh, so he got he, he sent that in as like uh, like an example of his work. Yes, and he got accepted um, oh. and was shown. So he was, I think, some fifteen years old. I think he was fifteen because in that year he was the youngest artist being shown. Yeah. So they absolutely loved him. He was being, you know shown everywhere, talked about everywhere. He was the talk of the town in the art world. Yeah. He was the big new thing to come. And so for the next few years, he was doing all this wonderful art. I think it was mainly portraits because he, he portraits. is a fantastic portrait artist anyway. Um, and so he's getting a scene in here, there and everywhere. And he, he won a grant to um, one of the most well-known colleges for artists. Right. Because of his up the getting into the art, yeah. So he got to go to college. He was actually in college with Sylvia Pankhurst, who was one of the who was to become known as one of the suffragettes. All right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so he was he was in good stead. Obviously, she was trying to put forward her women's rights then, but yeah, suffragettes hadn't quite happened. They were just beginning to form. Right, okay. okay. So he was hanging out with her. They're in the same class. And he was still being shown after he left college, but word started getting around about how he dabbled in magic. And so that kind of put a bit of a shadow over him from the artist's world. They didn't want a magician, <laughs> I'm doing that in quotation marks, a magician yeah, yeah, yeah. in their ranks. They couldn't have, because they were trying to look like, you know, look who we are, we've got a reputation to keep. Can't have a magician, a young magician running around <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and having that kind of thing brought upon them. So he was gradually pushed out from the art scene after become, starting off as the star boy. You know, he was going to be the next up and coming thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it is. Uh, and also in them days, they had a lot of thought that it was probably if you're a magician, you're dabbling in black magic. Which I'll come to explain more of in, while we go on. But that's what yeah. really ruined his art career. He continued being an artist throughout his life. Yes, I think so. I think yeah. it was because they didn't like what he was doing in his private life. <laughs> do you think? Do you think also uh, that the reason why why they, they went this way with him, like basically blackballed him from anything what he what he, he would normally do, like his. Um, you know, his research, etc. Do you think they, they did that because they couldn't manipulate him? Because, like, they, they've said to him, they want this, they want that, and if he's not going to do it for them, do you think that's why he turned, maybe? 
I don't know. I'd have to look into that. But I don't know, because from what I gather from the research I've done over the years, it's because it was more to stop their reputation being tarnished. Right, OK. They had a magician in their ranks. But it could be as well. I don't know if in them days they told artists what they expected. You know, it's not yeah. really handle people like they do now. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. yeah. Thinking of it, it's completely different times. It's a few hundred years ago. Because this would have been the time of Turner and um, would it be pre-Raphaelites? I think the pre-Raphaelites would have been, it'd been the next stage of the pre-Raphaelites, like William Morris and people like that, who were yeah, very it's much a couple of hundred years their own. But it's interesting you do say, because now I think about it, um, Austin Osmond Spare would not follow other people's ways. He had to do everything himself. He believed in so his own philosophy. Unique. Yes. Um, I don't know if you know of William Blake. William Blake says, the great British artist from the 1700s says that he would follow, nobody else devise his own um, religion and his own philosophy. And Spare was like that as well. He wanted to do it his own way. In fact, one of his yeah. favourite um, sayings was, let me just make sure I read this right. So this is from Austin Osman Spare's book, The Focus of Life. Who doth know what his own subconscious contains? still less his own arcana. So in a way, he goes on to talk about in that book how we shouldn't yeah. be influenced. We can learn from other people, but we should be developing our own magic, our own beliefs, our own ways of going forth in the world. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's what makes our personalities and, and who we are, I guess. So but most people are sense. Sense, aren't they? Oh, sorry. Yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. It mm. makes total sense that never. But most people like to be told what to think, be told what to do, and spare. And I think, like you and me, we like to blaze our own path of glory and go forward doing what we want yeah. to believe in. You know, we've looked at how the rat race has been trying to keep us down, to stop us uh, finding what we really truly believe in or express ourselves in the way we want to express ourselves. You know, rat yeah. race people try and poo-poo people like us. And that's probably what was happening to despair. He's being poo-pooed by the academics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know it all. <laughs> it makes sense, love. Because uh... he was also, because um, he grew up in, in uh, Smithfield in, uh, so that's sort of central London now. So he oh, right, okay. meat market then. So he was getting to see all the everyday people. He was seeing how, you know, let's call them rat race people lived, you know, the workers. Um, yeah. And he probably found it difficult being with the academics. Maybe you could see that they weren't honest, genuine people. Because he he painted portraits all his life or drew portraits all his life. And some of them are fantastic uh renditions of these people but others he starts putting parodies on them or turns them into like grotesque pictures <laughs> <laughs> she's got like a bit of a um a bit like a bit of a witty humor to him as well absolutely maybe. yes yeah, and he he used to use satire a lot he liked making satires out of what he sees and really? saw in front of him and what's even weirder was his favorite creature that he draws a lot paints a lot 
even saw was a satyr or a satyr. Some people call it a satyr. Some people call it a satyr. S-A-T-Y-R. Like a horned god. That's it. Like a so a man on top with some horns, but below the waist would be um, sometimes it's goat's legs, sometimes it's donkey's legs, because he very revered Pan. You know the again goat horned god. Um, goat yeah goat horned god. So he was influenced by satires of the industry and the world around him, but at the same time he was into satires the creature and he used to make puns on that which I think I was trying to find them in my books but I couldn't find them ready for today but there's a satire he does about satires and satires and how you're taking as a satire you're you're ridiculing what you're seeing but a satire is something that's kind of looking at us and ridiculing us and uh, charms us with his pipes as he pays his pipes to uh you know the story of Pan can put us all to sleep when he plays his pipes, Flute. and then he goes off yeah, into the fairy world and dances with all the other little creatures, the um, the other folk, the fairy folk, and such like. And one day, uh, Spare was walking <laughs> through London and he saw one in the distance in the high street, and he went chasing <laughs> after it, but he lost sight of it. So he was so, I think he could see into other realms. He could see the other. yeah and he could see the other entities walking amongst us because another time he said he was um getting on a bus and he saw a coven of witches on the bus and they were all going to their sabbath so they probably were real women going for maybe they were witches going to the sabbath but on the top deck of a bus they they sort of recognized i suppose his aura that he dabbled a bit or maybe they already knew each other by name i don't know but he ended up going to the which is Coven's Sabbath, where they were, you know, dancing around and calling up the devil and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) But is this all in his imagination or was he really seeing this? Or was he seeing things that we can't see because he was more attuned to other dimensions? The the thing is, Devin, this is it. Um, I believe that, that some of us really do have extraordinary abilities. But I just don't know the extent, you know, like how far and just the thought of it, though, the old mythological side to. Which is kind of like what you were saying about H.B. Lovecraft. Was he getting all them dreams naturally or had he worked with someone to help develop his dream technique? Because dream techniques are a wonderful thing to work with for diving down into your subconscious to bring up you know, obviously strange elementals or yeah. uh, strange ideas, but then maybe the subconscious is the reality and our consciousness is trying to keep us away from seeing yeah. what's really going on. You know, if we can crack through that. our yeah. consciousness and get down into our subconscious, maybe we'll lift the vow that they call it the vow of Isis that stops us seeing the other dimensions. And I know Austin Spare worked a lot with his subconscious. He said that we should be bringing that up. And a lot of other occult workers that I've uh, studied over the years, that is what they're saying is what is true creativity is coming from your subconscious because that's the free one that's running around doing what it wants, but it's yeah. stifled by the consciousness, or the, which is told how to think by our peers, by our 
by our leaders, by our teachers, by our parents. <laughs> oh. yes. You know, and some of us yeah. broke free from that programming, thankfully. And we were talking earlier before we started the show about how um, we try to get these kind of shows out there because that's our subconscious trying to awaken other people's subconscious, which yeah. is why we want to do this kind of work. Yeah, it's, uh, it certainly is. It's uh, crazy, isn't it? Crazy. It is crazy how we're it's we're just... held down and kept in a in like a prison in our minds. And then when you do start working in other ways, using your subconscious, like William Blake was ridiculed. Austin Spare was kind of ridiculed for that they kept quiet about it because they didn't want it getting out into mainstream that the Royal Academy had had a someone who dabbled in magic showing their art at their <laughs> at their, <laughs> uh, their gallery. Oh, it's <laughs> sorry, go on. You think that uh, I mean just how dally they've been with with his work. It was sort of like that with Alistair Crowley now. I know that, you know, it, it might have been up to no good, but at that time, who wasn't taking drugs in, in those days? You could buy new, you could buy heroin and cocaine over the counter in a normal pharmacy. Well, Crowley was actually given heroin for his asthma addict um, problem. Because oh, it was yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so they wasn't seen as a drug, heroin, as a recreational drug or whatever these days. It was seen as a way to heal people with their asthma. So he was prescribed heroin from <laughs> you know, quite just, a young age for his asthma. So, bizarre. <laughs> so the doctors got him addicted from a very young age. And yeah. then obviously that carries on in the future of, oh, Crowley was a drug addict, which he was because the doctors made him one. <laughs> For his asthma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people don't, uh, they don't, they don't seem to be able to have the ability to accept something like that. Oh no, he's still, they're still they're just looking for negativity. Mm. They don't look at the whole picture. They don't look for yeah. where things started, yeah. what the cause of things are. Because it's something I try and put through to people all the time. Don't just blame people for something because you've heard it hearsay. Go and research yeah, it for yeah, yourself. Yeah. Hey, that's yes, I, I don't. I don't mind being told things by people, but I will go and double check it. I don't rely on other people, and you, sh you guys, shouldn't be doing that with me either. Don't just believe what I say. If you're interested in it, go and look it up more yourself. You know, and continue your education. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it, that's self progression, and and that's what she should be doing anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of sleaze balls in the really. Um, I was quite lucky. I always had an English teacher who told me from a young age, if you don't understand a word, look it up in a dictionary. Now, most people would ignore a dictionary and just try and guess what that word is. But it helped. That's what I'm trying to say of doing the same thing. Go and find out for yourselves. That's, uh, that's fantastic, that, Louis. Thank you. And I'm sure everybody appreciates what you are actually be a bit of advice what you've just just given everybody this is what we need in, in this community is we're saying you've got true knowledge and there's a difference and that's what that's what we like you you are one of the um, the pillars of this community right? and 
that's a compliment that I think um, yeah, you are. I love what, what you're doing. I love your channel. Um, and I love the conversations. Oh, it's really sweet of you. I really like doing our shows together. I think it's oh, great thank to, you. to pass on information. Uh, as well, but you are English, so you get a double pass off me. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> 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 oh, I, I, I love everybody. I love all the guests we have on, but I'm very lucky to, to have met some of the uh, guests we've had. Um, I am very lucky. Yeah, you've got some. You've got great shows out there. I've been, uh, even though we've realised, and I listened to you a, a year or so ago um, with one of your guests, and I, over the years, over the last year, I've listened to various ones. But when we connected, I went back through your back catalogue. Your stuff on CERN's phenomenal. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. And that that was with um, it was with the wholesome creator of Meta Mindcast, uh, Robbie Marks. Robbie, he is is an artist. That's his uh, craft, but. Oh, just everything about him, the way he presents himself to the knowledge. He's, um, he's one of like-minded, you know, it, it just leaves me speechless sometimes. He is um, fascinating and I love doing shows. You know, I love doing shows with a lot of people, but and some of the things you said, I can't remember what they are now, but they made me rethink my own thoughts on CERN. And I always like that kind of challenge. I think that's good to do. Yeah, yeah, I love that, uh, Deborah. It's like when somebody's got a different perspective than you, the way they present that, it can change your own perspective. You know, because I'm sure, um, you know, you only have to listen to some of the shows I've done with Robert and you can tell of uh, he's like he's elite level. Yeah. This is when when we, before we started recording, I was like like I was saying to you, um, if we all got our minds together, we, we could achieve anything really. Yeah, absolutely. And the mind power is one of the. <laughs> Excuse me, important, excuse me, important factors of this world. And this is one of the things Spare was trying to encourage in other people. It's not just our conscious mind. If we bring our subconscious up, you're doing a double creation because you're bringing that freedom and I'm going to say wildness, but it's not wildness of your subconscious. Working with your conscious, it's like two, two parts coming together and then they yeah. uh, encourage each other to work or yeah. inspire Sorry. each other to work. It should be, isn't it, really? But this um, Austin Osmondsburg, I think he was in the wrong time. We could do something like that now. Oh, go on, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like um, it's like almost he's like fearless in what he did. And that's why I'm just so interested in uh, on your perspective, you know, because I trust your judgment. Well, I think in them times, so I think from the mid 1800s to mid 1900s, so 1850 to 1950, 
yeah. We had a lot of people that came around onto this planet that were trying to encourage people to think for themselves. And before that, maybe we only had like perhaps William Blake the century before, but he was ridiculed in his own time and didn't get appreciated till the 100 years later. And the same kind of was happening in the 1815s to the 1950s. So we're talking, we've got theosophy starting up, anthroposophy, the Gurdjieff work, and also all the magical orders like the Golden Dawn and Crowley's own um, society, the AA, the Argentine. Silver Star. The Silver Star, Star, yeah. Yeah. Which uh spare became a member of because crowley headhunted spare really crowley found oh, he thought his artwork was phenomenal and he recognized a fellow magician in this artwork so he went and sought out spare obviously they're both living in london anyway um and he probably could hear heard of his name anyway through the other occult circles so crowley's discovered spare gone and met him asked him to do some artwork for his, Crowley was making the magazine, The Equinox at that time. So Equinox. Yeah, The Equinox, it's like the uh, his uh, journal for his society. You can buy them now. They're, some are cheap, some are quite expensive. Normally the ones with spares, right? Um, spares art in them are quite expensive. Oh, really? Yeah, because, you know. What, what are they call again, Debbie, sorry. They're called The Equinox. The Equinox. Because to them, the magical time of the year was not just solstice, it was also the equinox when it was equal day and night. And like I was saying earlier about during the conscious and subconscious coming together, they need to be equal. So there's something yeah. about the equality of that. So Crowley um, took on Spare to do some artwork for the equinox. And I think Spare was expecting to be paid and instead he was initiated into Crowley's order. <laughs> He's like, sure, well, come and join my order. <laughs> And then he did some more artwork. Yeah. Oh. Crowley didn't pay him. He gave him a magical robe to wear of the order. <laughs> Tell you what, I bet that costs some money, though, because I, I can't see Crowley uh, wanting to, you know, rock whatever he was doing in a shitty materials um, dressing gown. You'd think it would be like something, you know, silk or something, uh, yeah. not cheap. Probably. You know, Back then, he had all his uh, inheritance money, didn't he? So, yeah, and he hadn't blown it by then. He did blow it, I think, by the forties <laughs> yeah. or the thirties or forties, but not at this time. He still had it all. Um, yeah, because he did. He blew a lot of it on producing the Equinox uh, magazines and books because not many people bought them, really. You know, because it's it's aimed at occultists, I suppose, and there weren't really that many out there, and they're still probably isn't there's probably wannabes but not any real true occultists and maybe that's why Crowley I think Crowley was drawn to spare because he recognized a fellow magician that's Crowley thought saw himself he was quite high up obviously in his order and yeah. he took spare on and spare became um, probationer and then he you know he should have carried on up the ladder of the magical order there's all this debate of whether Crowley threw him out <laughs> or whether Spare left and I personally think Spare probably left because Spare wasn't into rituals he wasn't into being part of an organisation part of a secret society that didn't appeal to him because he wanted to do it by himself you know I, I'm a bit like that myself to be honest I'm not one to really join societies I'm not really into role playing or ritual magic but for some people that works they feel they get something from it um, uh, 
and I can understand that when you're in a group, uh, the energies are stronger and higher. So you, and some people like to, they don't trust themselves to be able to do it by themselves. I'm not being degrading there. I'm just, be, I understand how some people like to follow a ritual from beginning to end and be led how to do it, where I kind of would rather do things my own way, my own time, and when I want to, <laughs> and dress how I want to. I don't want to, you know, I'm not into dressing up for rituals or role playing. In fact, I've always been a bit of a rebel and I'd probably want to, if I did go and join a little ritual of some kind, I'd be really tempted <laughs> to screw it up for them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, oh, I'll just blow that candle out. No one must keep it going. You know? <laughs> knock that over. <laughs> what do you mean yeah. you've got a lovely wand? Let me just snap it in half. Yeah. I, I'm not being a malicious, it's just my rebel side. I like to yeah, do things yeah, okay, myself. Yeah. I've always been against governance and against um, being told what yeah, to I do. Mean, <laughs> I, I've never been one for politics myself. So be, I think um, the, the, these people, the, well, the, the, it's like they, they're almost uh, masters of manipulation because of some of the shit they come out with. And sorry for swearing. No, it's, I totally uh, agree. It is shit. <laughs> it really is. I don't know where, where it all comes from. Yeah, I mean, Clearly, there's puppetry involved, but it, was, it would be very interesting to uh, know, like, full details of what goes on from start to to end, because they can't just basically uh, ruin people's lives. And it is puppetry, and I would assume I, I strongly believe Spare didn't want to be someone's puppet, and Crowley really loved being a puppet master. So that probably also is why he left. Ah, no, I know. Nice like that. That's brilliant, that. <laughs> that really is. Well, there is one story. Crowley, which is one of my favourites, uh, Crowley used to believe he had an invisibility spell and he could make his clothes <laughs> invisible, put it on, and no one could see him, right? <laughs> and so he'd walk down the street with his cloak that made him invisible on. And Crowley wore a lot of strange clothing. You know, he used to like to wear his kill and he'd carry a sword because you could in those days without being arrested. And he also wore a horse mask quite a bit. What? And wearing a cloak. Can you imagine it, how he's looking? What's, what? Right, I'm very confused. Right, what's he wearing? I need to know what he's wearing. Right, so, right, I'm going to... He's got a kilt, you know, like a Scottish kilt. A, a tan kilt. I can't remember what kind of colour he, he put. All right, well, we, let's say he's tan, just for shits yeah. and giggles. It's some tan kind of tartan kilt, probably his family's colours or something. He's got a tan frock on. It's probably his, you know, boots on or something. He had a, a mask of Horus, you know, the god Horus, the bird-headed god. So he All used right, to wear yeah. that. <laughs> And then he'd put his cloak around, a sword. So he carried his sword and his ceremonial daggers. And he had um, a cloak around him, which he believed had made him invisible. Now he's walking down the street thinking this is working because no one's looking at him. To be honest, I think most people were probably like, oh my God, just look away. Don't make eye contact with this dude. Walk away. I think that's what's going on <laughs> myself. 
visible and striding about and apparently Austin Spare went up to him one time and just walked up to him and went I can see you you know and walked away that was just brilliant <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I, I just think it's hilarious oh, I love reading into all these stories all these magicians and their egos and you know just like Crowley's a character in himself. Maybe we should do a show on him. Just everything he's done sometime if you want to. Yeah. We'll to yes, that. please. <laughs> but I, I wow. think the Spare uh, and Crowley probably clashed. They probably both realised, like, I think Crowley was probably jealous of Spare's magical um, abilities. I, oh. I myself think Spare was the greatest magician we've ever had. You know, greater so, than Crowley. Seriously? Yes. Spare uh... could... Um, he made these forecasting right? cards. <laughs> he, um, forecasting yeah, and he knew how to make sigils. And I think Spare understood the use of magic. Magic isn't about making yourself rich in money. Magic is about developing yourself, your inner self. Um, and I think Spare understood that. And he understood that using real magic, he was able to bring up your subconscious and your subconscious is somehow in tuned with what's really happening in the world. So that's why he was able to make his fortune cards that worked. He talked about, um, he direct, he made his own tarot card system. Oh, so he did tarot card system. Yeah, he had, had, he made tarot cards, but he made his own system of it. He didn't particularly follow the standard way a tarot cards are done. And what's quite interesting, I think, is his tarot cards were only discovered 10, 15 years ago, and they've been kept in the Magic Circle HQ in London. And nobody had known that they were Austin Osman spares, and they've only recently been discovered. A new book yeah. probably yeah, came out about 10 years ago about it. Yeah. Debbie, um, sorry to interrupt you, but um, are these available to, to buy now? His tarot cards have never been made into a deck. There is a book right. with all the cards in. So you can look at a book of it. And yeah. I think it's called Lost Envoy. Because lost. Yeah, a lot of Austin Osman Spare's work has been lost over the years or has gone into private collections. You know, people yeah. like, um, uh, I've forgotten the, the guitarist from Led Zeppelin. He's got a lot of Austin Osman Spare artwork. Elvis Presley. No, uh, from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> not not Led Zeppelin. I love a bit of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> uh, no, I was only joking, by the way. Led Zeppelin's brilliant. Do you listen to their music? Led Zeppelin. Do you know what? Led Zeppelin. No, uh, Led Zeppelin is a piss take of Led Zeppelin, but it's not. It's they do the music of Led Zeppelin, but they've got Elvis Presley impersonator singing all the songs. It's fantastic. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah, um, I think with music, um, I, I like a lot of different varieties. It, it just depends on you know the mood you're in at the time, mm. if you know what I mean. But yeah, music is brilliant. Jimmy Page is who I was trying to remember the name of. Jimmy Page, yeah, he has a, a lot of connections to um, being uh, an Uncle Al. Um, yes, fanboy. Uncle Al. <laughs> He's got... Um, Boleskine. Bolskin, I'll see it. Well, how's it? Boleskin. Boleskin, yes, in Scotland, not Ness. Not Ness, yeah. Um, 
a place I've always wanted to go. Well, it got burnt down. And I'm going yeah. to tell you a funny it's story. It's burnt down about a few times, you know, Debbie, hasn't it? Over yeah. years. Oh, sorry. Over years, it's been burnt down a few times. Sure it has. Well, in... Now I can't remember what year it was. Anyway, I was commissioned to make a film about Alistair Crowley and the Golden Dawn. Seriously? Yeah, so I made this film. It's incredible, that, baby. It's um, on my YouTube now. But it was uh, commissioned to be played at a... Um, we were a group... A that film was festival. No, so Alistair Crowley's birthday, actually. Um, oh, at Atlantis Bookshop, they were doing a celebration of his birthday. So we made this puppet film. So I'm using puppets to represent the whole um, scene between Crowley and the Golden Dawn. And we used from Crowley's book, the Book of the Law, chapter seven, which is all about how Crowley is going to burn down the house and rebuild it with an invisible crystal-like building. So like a, uh, he's building a they burn down a house and his temple will be rebuilt in the astral realm. So that was the chapter we used in this film. And this film's called the, uh, what's it called? Occult Lives, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. It's on my YouTube channel. So we've done all that, made the film, used the puppets, recited that chapter of the Book of the Law. It premiered on December the 1st. And 21 days later, Beleskin burnt down. And Whoa. this magician said to me, he went, that was one piece of magic. There's you thinking you're being the puppet master making this film when really Alistair Crowley was the puppet master making me make the film of his puppets to in, you know, inaugurate his spell to work. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, or whether it really was my film that was part of Crowley's spell. <laughs> but it is very strange that we use that chapter in the film and 21 days later his house burnt down yeah he's um <laughs> Crowley can he's still work Uncle Al still works from beyond the grave Uncle Al yeah <laughs> oh uh, I, be I believe so myself I think he was uh, I, I mean he, there's a lot of bad things here about him but I won't say that's actually legitimate proof of having, you know, happened because you get a lot of people tell a lot of lies. Well, also a lot of people would want to um, ridicule him, give him a bad name. They yeah. don't know what he's doing. Again, people don't like people that are free to do what they want. You know, and people yeah. don't like freedom. Yeah, jealousy. jealousy. They try yeah. to bring them down by manipulation or by a lot of bad uh, mouthing. Yeah, it's, it's loved his publicity. He, he thought it was great. He used it to help promote his own work. He quite liked being known as the Beast. You know, it, it made him he more did. notorious. Yeah, he did. Um, Say if you just check all all the air quote allegations, you know, I'm sure a lot of it is true. But again, we can't really comment on what we don't know about but you can <laughs> but you know we can all we've all got a voice on yeah if we're not there you know we can't verify it can we but we could do our research no, and look at both yeah. sides of a, a story yes, yeah. like i'd be intrigued to meet alistair crowley i don't know if i would have liked him as a person 
I don't know if I'd find his ego to, because it depends on how he would be with you. He might think, oh, I quite like how you are and be his normal, natural self. Or he might think, oh, I'm going to, you know, I don't like this person. So he puts on yeah. an ego and acts like a beast. You know, it's what effect yes. you have yes. on him. Yes, that's uh, that, that makes makes total sense. Um, I, and you know, I, I would love to meet him myself, but you don't. I mean, he's going to have an ego in it, definitely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's just his personality. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I know he just like looks. Seems as if he just wanted to. Um, You know, just, just you know, like the, the rituals, like and this sex magic, what he used to do, you think? It's not like a one-off thing. He he was proper into it. He, he you know, strongly believed on what he was doing was uh, was right. But Yeah, and belief is a very important part of magic. You need to believe what you're belief, doing yeah. and develop yeah. the will. The will is the um, what I would call the backbone of all magic. You need to will something to happen. And many people don't have that in them. Many people yeah, yeah. don't know about their will or don't want to believe in themselves, which is why there's very few magicians like Crowley or Spare around. Or people see it from an egotistical way because this person's developed their will. So he's quite comes across as quite... Um, well, they're will-minded. They know what they want. They're going for it. And, you know, you could look at it as some of today's, um, I think, some of today's pop stars, like, let's say, Beyonce or whatever. She's developed her will so strongly. She's got what she wanted. Oh, yes. Uh, you're saying that the difference in music, especially the videos now, and what they used to be like, some of them are quite disturbing. It's mm. a music video. And, you know, kids are into shit like this. Sorry for swearing. Um, no, I, I agree with you. There is too much of that kind of stuff out there. Definitely too much yeah. going down the dark path, demonic side. Yeah, in, I mean, I don't know what you, I don't know what year it was, Debbie. Might have been last year or year before. One of them, uh, I'm not sure of his name. I still have to think one minute. Little Nas X or something along those lines. He, uh, he had some trainers. What? Put like a, I think it was a drop of blood. Not sure whose blood was in this train. Is it had pentagram on it? Six six six. I'll actually have to, I'll find some images and send them. Yeah, I'll know who you mean. I'm, I can't remember because I, I try not it, to. Remember that's his name, isn't it? Little Sorry. Sex, I think. It does, I think that was his name or something like that. But he's made some deal, hasn't he? So that he's going to get his ten, <laughs> ten years of fame. See, I'm trying to cough now. To me, that'd be like the dark forces. Don't want me to talk about it. But um, he'll get his 10 years of fame on this earth. So he's going to get materials, uh, material wealth and whatever he likes sexually or whatever. But when that's up, his soul's gone. Where is it worth it for just 10 years or 20 years? You know, like these, you hear about the old blues players that used to go to the crossroads and sign their life away to the devil so they could play the best blues ever. You know, it's, it's like, is it worth it if, yeah, I don't understand that mentality. Surely they must understand there is an eternity going on. And I think it's part of common sense, Deborah. Mm. Yes. 
lack of common sense. Common sense isn't yeah. very common. <laughs> it's not, is it? It's, uh, it really isn't. But Bob again, Dylan. this is all down to dual concepts, isn't it? Like, yeah, Paul and Bob Dylan, he's just Bob, announced something, he, isn't he? He did, yeah, something. I mean, I didn't know. He's, uh, he signed something or made a pact with... Uh, so I'm not exactly sure what I could say, an entity mm. or uh, numerous entities. But you, you think... I think he's brilliant, Bob Dylan, as a musician. At what point in his career did you think that... Because... For me, from what I can make out of him, he, he was doing well from as soon as he started. So did he do it from the beginning, before That's he got what I mean. You think, you think uh, he's done this before and that's why he's got famous, like, almost immediately. Uh, it, his work's brilliant, whichever way you look at it. But he also does songs, some of his songs are very, um, as if like he, not saying they're hymns but they're for the divine they're good uplifting well not uplifting because his songs aren't uplifting but it's good some of them are though. lyrics it's yeah, not like yeah. this um chat with the with the um boots that has got the blood on them i'm pretty yeah. sure he's done some pretty demonic songs isn't he things that i would yeah. not want to listen to some awful stuff so i wonder if bob dylan has been able to redeem himself with the kind of writing he's put forward. Yeah, I love that. that, that mm. uh, yeah, I love that, Debbie. Possibility, isn't it, love? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he's been able to create his own way of putting, like Dylan, his own philosophy of what life should be. Maybe he has sold his devil, his soul to the devil, and he's going to lose his soul, but he's managed to keep um, good, uplifting, positive, to try and encourage us yeah. to stay on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would make sense to me. Because one of the is things that... with all, all of this is really is uh, these kind of people that sign them things over to them, are they being inspired to do their own writing or are they being told what to write? Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, manipulation. <laughs> yeah. If... Uh, it really is. It's a shame. It's a, it really is a shame. So Dylan's kind of keeping, even though there might be some darkness to his work, he's also bringing some light into it, where this yes. young uh, rapper guy, I don't even think he's a rapper really, is he? But anyway, his is all just darkness, and he's trying to shock us, which again would be a demonic uh, kind of background to that, a demonic uh, driving. Yes. Oh, it's just so so uh <laughs> stupid that he doesn't know what he's doing yeah yeah i love it ever <laughs> but from a positive point of view because austin spare was trying to well he did it his own way he did his own philosophy but he was also trying to make people through his art even though a lot of his art is seen as quite dark because it's quite um erotic but at the same time a bit disgusting some of it yeah, I, I think yeah. that probably got him thrown out of a lot of uh societies but he was trying to make people look at your dark and light sides and i know people get very fixated with their dark sides we've all got a dark side 
we've got to remember we've got to lie as well and people suddenly start looking at their dark side and they can be dragging it's a temptation to go down that path and stay on that path yeah. and just think this is what i am and we're not we're all light beings really but we're yeah. on this yeah. earth trying to make sure we stay light the darkness can engulf us very easily which is why spare still believed in a god or a he called it a universal consciousness a universal consciousness. consciousness yeah there's a universal consciousness out there that we can all attune to but it <sighs> It's kind of like the whole uh, freedom of choice, free will. We can either go to it in a light working kind of way, or we can go to it in a dark way. And whichever way we go to it, it will give us what we're looking for. It's kind of like the story yeah, yeah. of God's always up there calling down to us, but we can't connect unless we reach up. Yeah. It's like you, you've got to make that uh, connection, and I know you, you have people when they say they've uh, like spoken to angels or you know made some sort of contact. Mm. I think that in itself is if if somebody has that ability, I think that is extraordinary. Mm. It's fascinating. I do worry about some people might be being misled down a dark path, not knowing that they're. Because I think the dark forces can manipulate people into believing something. But yeah. It gives them what they want, is what I suppose I'm trying to say. It, it pretends yeah. it can disguise itself as angels or whatever. But hopefully people will start to realise, actually, this isn't quite right. It, it teases you in at first, gives you what you want, and then it starts manipulating. And I, I've had people, I think this is what happened to Dr. D, the Elizabeth I <sighs> astrologer. I think he started out with what he yeah. thought was an angel, but when it started asking him to do kind of na nasty things or dark things and a bit of wife swapping, for example, which would be- Seriously? Yeah, wife swapping. Yeah, but we should do a show on Dr. D. <laughs> we'll do that as well sometime, because that's a long story. But again, right. I feel that's where it was a dark force pretending to be a light force. Yeah. So people need to be able to, I suppose, fathom their way through, be able to, I suppose that's why there's the worry of anybody doing this can be taken down the wrong path. And if an angel's been giving you everything you've wanted in the first place, and then suddenly it goes, oh, now I want you to go and kill this cat. You think, oh, I best do it because it's an angel doing it. And it's so far the last year or so I've been working with it, it's done everything it's won, you know, it's been good. You know, people can be easily, manipulated <laughs> yeah. well i would like to think that if that happened to them and suddenly this angel's telling them to do something evil like kill a cat there'd be like warning signals would go up and they would like no i mustn't listen to this entity anymore it's not the angel i thought it was because <laughs> the, yeah. the dark forces of all the time in the world they can take ages to string someone along before they suddenly start turning oh, uh, yeah yeah that's um that's definitely like you think of how old some of these entities could be. Mm. They're experts at what they do as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They've been around for many years. Yeah, highly evolved. I think it's Rudolf Steiner says that if you see Lucifer walking down the street, cross the road. And there's many others that have said <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, don't engage with the devil. The devil knows how to play all the best tunes. He knows how to do all the best games. He knows all the, you know, how to trick everyone. 
so but for some reason us humans think we can outdo the devil not many people do we can't outsmart the devil he's an archangel for you know christ sake. he's a fallen <laughs> angel it's very yes. clever <laughs> very clever it is uh, i think it's like like with the mythological side of um of like tales, I find that to be, just my opinion, is that's is most intriguing to me. Just the thought of some of the entities. I mean, you've got mm. dogmen. Just a, a first name to mind. It's that. It's fascinating. You you think of um, of how far it goes back. Of an actual race of um, dogmen. Yeah, nine people. Another one, yeah. Um, but these are the things I, mean, I think H.P. Lovecraft was getting into touch with or contact with. He was finding these other entities, or maybe they were telling him his, their stories through through his mind or his ears or yeah, something. Yeah, you know? I love that. Yeah. You I think with a... soon, um, oh, yes, sorry. 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 Yeah, sorry. I've, I've got someone coming around for lunch, so no, I can do no about problem. another 10 minutes if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, not a problem. Um, I've just seen what the time is. It always goes so quick. I thought, oh, it's only about 10 to no, that's now. Right. I'm I'm not time, even... What? <laughs> yeah. Again, I think when, when, you, when you're into a conversation and you, you it's that intriguing time it's like as if uh, it just goes so quick we need to figure out how we can stop it so we can just be in this time bubble and talk for hours and hours and hours and hours and come back and say okay i can go back to my, my, my mundane life now <laughs> yeah. i love the sound of that never. Uh, yes but you know if we've got anything we think of after today we can always come back and do, you know, include it as part, sort of part two, piggyback on from this episode, and like before we uh, tackle another topic, because there's so much, there's so I, much. I did want to say quickly about an Austin Osmond spare story, if that's okay. Quick, go for it, please, I, Debbie. Um, I don't know if you've seen a picture of him, of what he looked like. He, you know, we've all got doubles. There's people that look like yep. me out there. There's people that look like you out there. Well, Austin Osman Spare looks like Adolf Hitler. And Spare used to do um, portraits yeah. of people, but he did a lot of his own self-portraits. And one of these self-portraits actually, apparently, there's different versions of this story, but I'm going to tell you the one I yeah. know. So one of the self-portraits got to Adolf Hitler, who apparently thought that Spare had done a picture of him, himself, of Hitler, until someone explained, no, this is the portrait of the artist. Oh, flatter yourself, Adolf. <laughs> so Hitler asked, um, sent a, a message, obviously, through his peoples, and asked him to, a, to Spare to do a portrait of him. And... <laughs> Spare obviously was like because this is obviously the Nazi party is already out there and happening, 
and and Spare wrote a letter back to Hitler saying, so it so, says, uh, Hitler's asked for a portrait for Spare to come to Germany. He's going to pay for him, come and do a portrait of me. So Spare's written back. Only from negations can I wholesomely conceive you, for I know of no courage sufficient to stomach your aspirations and ultimates. If you are Superman, let me be forever animal. Because, you know, Hitler was saying about how he was going to create the Superman race. And uh, oh, yeah. Spare was totally against everything that Hitler was, was up for. Well, anyway, apparently a few weeks after Hitler got this letter, there was the Luftwaffe came over London and, you know, the Luftwaffe from the German uh, bombers was bombing London and Spare's flat was obliterated by a Luftwaffe bomb. Really? So whether Hitler personally targeted Spare, we will never know. Though Spare himself is adamant that Hitler was targeting his studio and flat because he refused to do his portrait. Which I think is just fantastic. What a great story. It is. It's fantastic. <laughs> and one of the other weird things is that Spare, throughout his life, took in cats, stray cats. And as we all know, Hitler was a dog lover. So what a <laughs> difference between the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That last little bit about cats. Brilliant. <laughs> so I do encourage people to go and look at Spare's artwork. It is quite mesmerising. As I say, some of it's a bit erotically disturbing. Uh, you know, I was actually looking for this image of it, um, you know, him with the comparison to Hitler. And that's what I've just been looking for. But yeah, some of this um, artwork. Because you can see all the mis mystery it's schools. Brilliant. He does a lot of Egyptian mythology, a lot of Babylonian mythology, yeah. a lot of... Um, I think there's some Celtic, definitely Pan, because Pan was one of his favourites. And you can see how he interweaves it in his more magical artwork. And there's always little imps and little, you know, you have to really look at a, a spare art piece, of one of his big artworks, because there's things hidden in there, you know, that will catch your eye. And you can see he's trying to put magical connotations into them all. You know, there's not enough Austin Osman spare on show in this world. Sadly, a lot of it got burnt. A, a museum in London that held a lot of it in um, Elephant and Castle got burnt down a few years ago, and a lot of Spare's artwork was in there, so we've lost a lot of it. But thankfully, most of it is in pr private collections, and we need to encourage more people to do shows or exhibitions of Spare's work. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty cool. I'll tell you <laughs> another um, interesting artist. Oh, right. His name. I've just found a picture of, I'll tell you what, I want to, if you, you, you know how to access, um, like if I send you a message now, are you, you okay? Just have a quick look at it. Literally take a minute. Um, Got an email. I'll send it you on Skype, actually. It's probably oh, easier. Okay, yeah, yeah. You must be aware of like a chat or yeah. something. Yeah, I think you'll probably see it. Oh, yeah. And then it'll put, I will send it now. Um, I can see the chat. Are you on as a guest? Yes. Right, I'll tell you what then. Um, I couldn't sign in, it was really annoying. <laughs> I forgot my password. 
<laughs> I admire your honesty, Deb. I love it. No. <laughs> I've Sometimes that I just have time, them but... moments, and I'm like, I can't think of my password. <laughs> right, how can I do this now? Because uh... Austin Osman Spare also wrote quite a few books um, yeah. explaining his philosophy, but they're not books like um, an academic book. They're more like um, small books with his art on each page and then a few lines explaining what his beliefs were and uh, his ideas of how we should be working with ourselves and our subconscious. And he called it the, the SOS and the Kia. And the Kia is like the universal mind. It was what I was saying about he believed in a universal consciousness. Yeah, uh, like as one. Yes, that's it. And ZOS, Z-O-S, is the human body and the human mind. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just, just making a note of this, Debbie, uh, sorry. Yeah, that's cool. Because he says, I'm just going to quote him, he says, this is this religion that he devised, this Zos yeah. and Kia. This Zos Kia cultist, which embodies my conception of what we are, we were, and shall be in the future. So he believes that humanity is a developing system, like all systems are developing, where many people believe we're finished, this is it, we're at the highest peak, we're not going to develop any further. Well, I believe we're a continuing, evolving race i fully agree with you i think we are that, that exactly is what we are uh, i don't think there's any other way of explaining it is there don't know. Uh, it's just a constant fascination to me deborah Mm -hmm. and it, just make, it just makes things that much more uh, that much more enjoyable when you uh, meet somebody with true knowledge as as for you you do um, there's a difference and, and it means everything for not just me but for the listeners that's great uh, I hope I can uh, help people in continuing their research i'm always open for conversation if anyone wants to email me they can through my website debbie-elliot.co.uk and i love being able to have a conversation with people like yourself like your good self thank you dear thank you it's uh, it's it's nice it's lovely actually to be able to like you said have a conversation with somebody like-minded um very lucky to um I've met some other people that we've done podcasts with, and you're one of those, Deva. <laughs> well, I'd love to do two more, and um, you know, Doctor oh. Green or Crowley. I can think of some other ideas now, which would be yeah, great I've... to talk about. <laughs> I've already got plenty of ideas, <laughs> but these are just just adding to everything. Uh, I've actually sent that to your email, Debbie. We was having none of it on Skype. Right, if okay. you it yeah, should be should be with you now just, just uh, uh, let me know if what you think of that if that's the one that you was on about hold on sorry i feel like we're leaving dead air but i'm sure it'd be fine <laughs> it's just coming up
I just thought that painting. That's, that's really, that is brilliant. Um, Would you see the um, Hitler connection? <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. But it's we all have look-alikes. We're not unique in this world. There's, you know, people that look like you, people that look like me. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be perfect to use. It says. Never. Once again, I am. Uh, I'm just so fascinated in in you and and your uh, and just the perspectives that that you were uh, to just seem to be just spot spot on. And that's a uh, that's a compliment that. Thank you very much. Thank you for letting was, me speak. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you're inspired to go and look at some spare. Find your will and develop yourself. Well, and listen to more of General Lee's shows. Oh, thanks, love. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as we finish, I'm going to look more into um, Austin. I think he's very, uh, very underrated at what he's done. He is, yes. Though in he's not he's at the top. He's yeah. the best, you know. He's not. He's not. Don't get the credit he deserves. I, I think. Hmm. It's a shame. It's a shame when you get all these tyrants. They get better thoughts of than somebody with a brilliant mind. It's just. Well, know, these tyrants aren't free, are they? They want to be controlling. That's why they're tyrants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it makes sense that with Crowley being a little bit uh, jealous of him as well. So if he's come in there like that and he wasn't just like, oh, talks a good job, he was uh, uh, as good as, like you said, as good as they come. Brilliant. Yeah. Must have put any, put any magician's nose out if they find <laughs> another magician whose magic actually worked. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I, I wonder how many times Alistair Crowley had that work. Almost, he maybe thought a little bit threatened by somebody as good as him. You think oh, if, yes. they, if they got together and they're doing all their uh, rituals again? I think maybe in what, the first days, but I, I gather from Spare and I can read it in his own writings, he got out pretty quick because he just doesn't like working with other people. He's not a ritual Fair person. Play. We yeah. don't need to do rituals to connect with the elementals or the elements of the world or the universe. But some people, yeah. like I was saying, they just like that. Makes gives them a sense of um, not superiority, but a sense of doing, a sense of security. A sense of worth, maybe. Yeah, sense of worth. Yeah. Where spare was more free, uh, and I suppose that's why yeah. I relate a lot to spare. I'm quite in the same mindset as him. We're free to do it however we want. It's our intention that's important. It is. Uh, it's all about intention. Um, it's like anything, Debbie. We've always got a choice, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. What's and it's right what we do wrong. with that choice. And like you it say, is. what's right, what's wrong? It's all, you know, there's so many uh, different aspects of situations. That choice, it's all about that choice. Um, mm. You've just got to, whatever you feel, you is right at that time. Yeah, follow your conscience. Yeah. Not your conscience. I'll follow me, conscience. Me. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Debbie, once again, I'm just totally fascinated by um, by <laughs> this episode. Uh, it's crazy. Al. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for letting me speak. Thank oh, <laughs> thanks a lot. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day, dear. Uh, but before you go, could you let everybody know where they can get hold of you, please? I will put you uh, your show notes in the show notes. I'll put your links and everything, Debbie. Uh, but do you want to let everybody know, please? Okay, yeah. My website's debbie-elliot.co.uk and I have a YouTube channel, DJ Elliot. And normally I just say to people, put DJ Elliot in and a cult and I will come up if I don't come up straight away. Because there's a few DJ Elliots now. There was just two of yes. us when they started. Yeah. Now there's loads. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll add your links in the, uh, like your, your main page at that, Debbie. So hopefully people will just click on that link, say the old malarkey of you can find wrong, uh, wrong pages about you. Like you're saying, if there's a couple of DJ Elliots now, they might... <laughs> <laughs> They're cashing in on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make your own names up. Come on. <laughs> right, Debbie. Uh, thank you very much. It's been an honour speaking to me again. I can't wait till we speak again soon. Same here. Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks, love. Yeah, me too. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much. I'm going to stop recording now, love. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>